0: The text for the sermon this day is taken from Philippians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4. It writes, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer... Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice to the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That is the text. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So... Today is, well, tomorrow is Thanksgiving, and here we are gathered for worship. Now, in case you don't realize, Thanksgiving is not a a holiday that began in the church. It began with the government. So it's something that is uniquely American. Granted, yes, Canada has a Thanksgiving back in October, but... We're only in the United States is there a celebration of Thanksgiving Day tomorrow. And so, but, the act of giving thanks is very, very much Christian. And you can see it in the scriptures you heard earlier. You can hear it in the scriptures that I was reading. It is also, it's scattered throughout the Bible, this call To thankfulness. So the question is, is how does a Christian give thanks? Does anybody recognize this book? If you recognize this version, that means you're older, just so you know. This is Luther's small catechism. This is the 1942 edition. So, and this is, by the way, the edition that I, this is the one I got for confirmation. So, the one that you have, or Jerry over there, it's a little bit, it's the, burg- the burgundy and blue or whatever. So, <clears throat> the catechism is a really good place to go to really get into the mindset of thankfulness. So, the first chief part of the catechism is the Ten Commandments. And the very first commandment You shall have no other gods before me. That is where it begins. Because every other commandment flows from that simple one. The meaning. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And see, every single time we ever sin, it is ultimately... A breaking of that commandment. Because we have failed to love God above all things. Because if we loved God above all things, we would not break his commandments. If we feared him above all things, we would fear the consequences of our sin more than enough that we would not sin. So, And it also shows we don't trust his word. Etc. Etc. So every single commandment comes down to the first commandment: You shall have no other gods. It's a failure to hold God to the highest of esteem. So you keep going through the commandments: Thou shalt not have. Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. Yes, or shall not misuse the Lord's name for you, you whippersnappers. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother. Which, by the way, if you read the meaning, that's talking about all leaders. Not just your parents, but it extends to, your, if you're in school, your teachers. If you have a job, your boss. And also those people that we don't always, aren't always very fond of, the government. Did you catch what Paul wrote in the prayer in the reading from 1 Timothy? Thanks is to be given for all for kings and all in high authority. So, in other words, they're supposed to pray prayer of thanksgiving for our leaders. And if anybody says, Well, Timothy or Paul, you don't know what it's like to have a bad leader. Paul was in prison when he wrote those words, awaiting his execution. So, he is saying, "Give thanks for Emperor Nero, who is ordering his execute, who is going to have him beheaded." Not much time, longer after he wrote those words, Chris. If you read through the scriptures, it's a very, very delicate balance between honoring those in authority while not, while still obeying God rather than man. It's not an easy tension. But you keep going. Fifth commandment. You shall not murder, you shall not commit, a, then you go to you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and then you have two commandments on coveting. And by the way, whenever we are not thankful for something, ultimately, that is coveting. Coveting is a consequence of a lack of thankfulness. So if you go through all of the commandments, all ten of them, if you're wise, you realize you've broken every single one of them. And then you get to the close of the commandments. He said, what does God say of all these commandments? He says thus, I, the Lord, thy God, yeah, I'm reading the old version, so bear with the thys, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the, children, upon the children unto the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto the thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. What does this mean? God threatens to punish all that transgress these commandments. Does that feel comforting? Do you hear that word? After you went th- I just went through those old ten commandments? That was every single one of us has talked about right there that God threatens to punish anyone that has broken even one little commandment. Even if it was one little white lie, God threatens to punish that sin. And by the way, and as I've, I've said this many times, but as a reminder, We we are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are a sinner. Our sins are a symptom of our sinful nature. And that's very important to remember. Ultimately, the wretchedness is inside of us. The actions that we commit, the things we do, is a consequence of it. I was actually following a... So every now and then, I get stuck into TikTok videos. And TikTok knows that I'm a nerd. And so I come across some videos about Batman. And I, So, okay, I grew up in the 90s. Kevin Conroy, who was the voice of the Batman in the 90s, he was also the voice of the Batman in the video game series Arkham, he passed away on November 11th. Um, he died of some form, really rapid form of cancer. And so, and I remember it was the same day as Veterans Day. Uh, but anyways, he died. And so because of that, I started watching all these Batman stuff. Um, but anyways, there's a discussion that came up about the character of the Joker. And the whole story of the Joker, the whole motivation of the Joker, is ultimately he believes that every single person is one really bad day away from being like him. And the thing is, as crazy as that thought is, history bears out that every person is the right, maybe not a bad day, but in the right situation, in the right circumstance, it's capable of great evil. Think about Nazi Germany. The Soviet Union. The Ma- what was done under Mao in China. None of those things would have happened without everyday, normal citizens turning a blind eye and allowing it to happen. And remember, you're talking about Nazi Germany. How many of us have German blood? Every human being has that darkness, that sin. But you see, you keep going, right after you get done with the commandments, you go to the creed. You start with the first article of the creed. It says, I believe that God has made me and all creatures. He has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members. So if if you are able to raise your hand, you've got a hand. Did you know that? Obviously. If you can't raise your hand, then you don't. But you all have at least an arm, maybe you have a leg or something. you got ears to hear. You can hear. You have eyes to see. And see, the thing is, not only does God give you these things, he gives you wondrous things to hear. Now, you hear things that are not so wonderful, but think about a really good song. Or just hearing... Somebody read poetry or something like that. Something that you hear that somebody speaks that just inspires you. He, you. he, through your ears, through your gift of hearing, he gives wondrous things for you to hear. Your eyes. So, when I had the call extended me, to me from Florida, I went down to Florida and I drove down A, Highway A1A. If you don't know, that's the coastal Highway and it's absolutely beautiful seeing the the coastline the water, the ocean which by the way if you ever if you really ever want to do a coastline drive you don't have to go as far as Florida go up to Minnesota drive down, drive along Lake Superior that's a gorgeous drive but the thing is is even you don't even have to go that far even here right where we live god has given us such a beautiful creation around us. So on Monday, when I was coming back from um, Council Bluffs, that was part of my baking my pie. If you want to know my recipe, I go to Council Bluffs, go to Village and pick it up and bring it back. So don't, don't worry about stealing the recipe or anything. But anyways, but I was driving back and I was getting up when I was driving on 59, and there's just an absolutely gorgeous sunset to the west. Obviously the west, and it's to the east, I have problems. But to the west, the sun is setting, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Just on 59, just north of Denison. Beautiful creation that God gives us right here. And he allows you to see it. He allows you to taste. So tomorrow, Thanksgiving... Now, you may have various plans for Thanksgiving, but think about even like your ideal, most memorable Thanksgiving. You're surrounded by family, whoever that may be, maybe parents, grandparents, maybe your kids, your spouse, cousins, whatever. And you're maybe having a hopefully, maybe you have a good time. And uh, my family sometimes will sit there and play board games. Because we find that's a really good way to um, basically just kind of talk with one another, catch up with one another, um, get mad at each other because they're beating us or whatever. And then the food you eat. You ever think about this? God gives you the ability to, he gives you food to eat. He gives you taste buds. Isn't it amazing that God feeds us and he doesn't, fortunately we don't all have the COVID effect and no taste. He gives you good food. Think about the pumpkin pie or the apple pie, if you don't like pumpkin whatever pie you like. Think about the the turkey, the mashed potatoes, the, the gravy, the bread, the rolls, all that really good food. God lets you taste that. He chooses to nourish you with something that is pleasant and wonderful. And here's the thing. In the creed, as it says there, does he do that because you're super awesome dude? No. He does it all out of, out of fatherly goodness and mercy without any, anybody know where it goes from there? Merit or worthiness in me, He does it because he's a good father. That is the mercy of our God. But you see, that's about the temporal world. That's about the world now. He's not, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, okay, when the world's over, now your judgment comes, your punishment comes, and you're just going to have to, you're going to die. Now death will come, but I'm talking eternal death here. He doesn't give us that. The second article of the Creed tells us exactly what he does. He sends forth Jesus born of a woman, born under the law true God and true man how that totally 100% God, 100% man, 100% of the time how that works no idea, I am not God so I cannot understand it. so, and by the way this is why we have Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Christmas Eve is all about Jesus as man, Christmas Day is all about Jesus as God that's why we have both of those services. Because we, both of them, are heresies the church has had to deal with throughout the last 2,000 years. So it's trying to stop prevent it. But anyways, he sent his son specifically for one purpose, and that is to die on the cross. To purchase you, a lost and condemned creature, not with silver or gold, but... With his innocent suffering and death, his blood shed on the cross, that you may live with him in blessedness and holiness forever and ever. That you may be his child, an heir of paradise, forgiving every single last moment that you have broken those commandments. And you get this there is not a point where you can sin too much. There isn't a quota. There isn't like, okay, you sin one too many times, now you've got to work it off. No, God has more forgiveness than you have sin. That is how grand it is. And there is no sin that is so bad that he won't forgive it. And that, by the way, is something we sometimes have troubles with. When we realize to the degree of what he forgives... Now, some things like lying or stealing, we could maybe forgive that, but that also includes murder, rape. Some of the worst sins, he forgives even that. He forgives the unforgivable, or in our minds, unforgivable by his blood. And the thing is, is he? it goes even farther than the third article. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength come to know Jesus as Lord. Because you see, your sinful nature that I was just talking about, it is so deep that you do not want, if God left it up to you, that you had to make the step, you have to accept him into your heart. By the way, there are many, a lot of times you go to a church, they have the whole... Um, altar call, come up, accept Jesus into your heart type thing. If, you, if God left it up to you that you have to do this, that you have to accept him, you wouldn't do it. Your sinful nature is so deep that we are at, at core enemies of God. There, as it says in scripture, there is no one who seeks God No, not one. So in other words, he sends his Holy Spirit into your heart. And he creates the faith that you cannot create on your own. That's why we have these wonderful things called, by the way, in our confirmation class, this is exactly what we're talking about, the means of grace. Such as, the word. The word of God, when it is heard, creates faith. And by the way, just so you know, when people, if, when you come to an altar call, I'm not saying that they're not saved. What they don't realize is when, if they're coming up to accept, they are already saved. Before they even got out of the chair. You cannot say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit enables you to do so. So if they're coming up and saying Jesus is Lord, they are already saved. And so you can look at the Word, you can look at the Scripture, and you just read what it says, and God creates and sustains your faith. This is even com- this is comfort. These means of grace are wonderful things to cling to, because if you ever sit there in doubt you could read for god so loved the world raise your hand if you're in the world everybody should raise their hand if you're not you're you're in an alternate dimension or something so you're in the world so god loved you and this is how he loved you he sent his son to die on the cross to suffer to die And on the third day, rise from the dead, so that whoever believes in him, and by the way, as we just went to, belief is ultimately the the gift of the Holy Spirit, but whoever believes in him shall not perish, and we're talking about eternal death, not physical death, shall not perish eternally, but have eternal life in him. You can read that in this Bible, If you went online, go to like Bible Gateway, there's literally dozens and dozens of translations of the Bible. If you want to go read the Greek and Hebrew, if you can read Greek and Hebrew I got in my office, you could go look at that. You could go find manuscripts that are over a 1,000 years old, almost 2,000 years old, and you'll read those exact same words. 2,000 years from now, you could read another Bible and see those exact same words, which means... If you read those words, you just say to yourself, is this true? And if your answer is, yeah, guess what? It's talking about you. And what's more, right there, do you notice that's right in front? Now, this is one of those things that bugs me sometimes. My home church did this for a while. I was so happy the pastor moved it. Some churches, a lot of times, they'll put their baptismal font into a closet. Drives me nuts because baptism is such a wonderful thing. There's two places typically the baptismal font goes, either here or in the ent- right in the front of the church as you come in. That's ideal. The ideal is that you cannot enter into the church without thinking of your baptism. Instead, right now, we have a mobile. If you go outside the doors, you look right up, there's a wonderful mobile, uh, about bapti- a baptismal mobile. But the whole thing is a reminder. Such a wondrous gift that is. Whether you're a, a newborn infant, or you're a 90-year-old, whatever the age was, you were brought to the font, and Jesus, and then through the pastor, you hear, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus came down, the Holy Spirit came down, claimed you, who could not by your own reason or strength come to know Jesus as Lord, and he gave you faith, he gave you forgiveness he clothed you in the righteousness of Christ. And so like Luther would always say this. Would use this wonderful and I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Oh wow. But he said this, if you ever doubt your faith, there is one in the doubt de- or the devil comes at you and says, "Look at all your sin. Look at how war- horrible you are." You can just say, "I am baptized." And that's a way of saying to the devil, Shut up. Yes, you can say shut up to the devil. Not to other people. To the devil, yes. (laughs) That is what you're saying. Silence. Jesus has covered me. And then he gives you this meal. The body and blood of Jesus. In with and under the bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins. And he invites you to come regularly. Anybody ever doubt... So many times I've heard people say, well, God doesn't really care if I come to church that often. He said this, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. What's the word that Jesus uses? Often. Which means he expects you to do it often. That is Jesus's command not because he's trying, try, oh how horrible of you why don't you come, he wants you to come because it's a gift of forgiveness of strengthening in a world because the reality is I'm going through all these, thankful, these things to give thanks for, we are in a world that doesn't always have things to give thanks for or makes it difficult to give thanks, people are sick, people are dying we have war. We have worries about our economy, worried about whatever is going on in this country. People, we have people who are homeless. We have so many bad things you read. Families are falling apart. I just talked about those, th- those memories, those people that you hope to be at Thanksgiving dinner. But I also know that there are many people that that won't be there. I know for me, this will be the first year I cannot give a call to my mom for Thanksgiving. And many of you have all had those firsts. Or maybe this is your first. Jesus gives that supper. Not It is a command, but it's a command for your own good. It's just like you, parents, sometimes you tell your kids, eat your Brussels, eat your vegetables. You're not doing it because you hate your kid. You're doing it because the vegetables are good for your kid. Jesus says, Take the, partake of this meal. Often partake of it because it's good for you. Because he knows what this world is. He endured. He was beaten. He was tortured. He suffered every form of humiliation known to mankind for your sake. So he knows it and he gives you the strength in his meal. To carry you through this world. We have so much to give thanks. And by the way, do you know what? In the Catholic Church, do you know what they call the Lord's Supper? Well, sometimes they call it the Eucharist. And there are Lutherans that call it the Eucharist. Do you know what the Eucharist? what the word Eucharist means? Thanksgiving. It is the ultimate Thanksgiving feast. Now, I'm going to end with one challenge to everyone. This is a challenge I gave to our Key Club. If anybody's in Key Club, I don't know if you paid attention that I sent this. A few of you are in Key Club, so. Secondly, I also send the same message to all the youth. Well, parents. I don't know if they pass it on to, me, to the kids or not. I have a challenge for you. So, Friday is Black Friday, and so people are going to go shopping and all that stuff. I have a challenge that can could be a way of practicing thanksgiving and providing a gift for someone. One of the things we also have to give thanks for is think about the people who've made a difference in your life. Now obviously pa- hopefully parents, grandparents, family or whatever, but I'm thinking beyond that. So like to the Key Club I suggested, think of a teacher, a coach, um, a boss. Believe me, I know when I worked at Golden Corral, I learned a lot from my managers, and they broke me out of my shell. You have no idea how quiet I was in high school. I was, and so working at Golden Corral broke me out of that shell. Think of someone that you can say thank you to and write a card, and say thank you you helped me with this. Or I have this in my life, and it wasn't for you, it wouldn't be like this. And send it to him. What a gift for somebody at Christmas. Because so often people are wondering what difference do I make? And it's always wonderful to hear that. And I mentioned the Kevin Conroy, here's the Batman voice. This is an example of how that uplifts somebody. Um, is back at 9-11 after the World Trade Centers were destroyed there are people that are looking for ways to help he lived in New York and so he went and he worked in a soup kitchen or a kitchen he was providing meals for the firefighters and the police officers who were cleaning through the rubble of the Trade Centers and one of the days and this was in December getting close to Christmas somebody said to him like hey Aren't you the voice of Batman? And he goes, well, yeah. And he, the, guy, the firefighter shouts out to the guys in the They're out in the restaurant and says, hey, did you know Batman was here? No way. And it's he's like, approve it. And then he just goes, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Batman. And then everybody just broke out in laughter. And, so, and then the firefighter said, you are Santa Claus. No one has laughed until this very moment. A little wave of a thanks. Little things that people do. And for me, like when I went through the calls, people have given me wondrous thanks. And I do appreciate it. Who is someone you can thank? So, with that, we continue with the next song.